0: Hello, and welcome back to Think Yourself Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Barbieri. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to remind you that if you take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram, we'll send you a 15% off discount for the eight-week Retrain Your Brain program. Just take a screenshot and tag me at Heather Barbieri RDN. Thanks for listening, and let's get right to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy. I have a special guest, Dr. Denise Warden, on the show. I uh, recently watched a documentary on Gaia and came across an interview clip from her, and I was just so incredibly impressed with her ability to articulate some really complex information. So I reached out, and here she is today. This is so exciting for me. (laughs) Dr. Warden, thank you so much for being with us. Glad to be here. Great. I love your message. Uh, This is important. Thank you. So can you tell the audience just a little bit about you and kind of, you know, who you are and what you do,
1: why you do what you do? Well, first, I'm a naturopathic medical doctor, and that means I'm licensed in both systems of medicine, so traditional and alternative, however we want to describe those. I sit in the middle, okay. and because I'm also a researcher, I have designed and conducted clinical research for medical devices and supplements in the nutrition world for for a while now, for many, many years. I've got lots of experience in just clinical with patients and also from a research standpoint right. i'm also a global educator i love educating that's why i love doing this wow. with you here right now uh, i i have been training doctors uh, with continuing medical education for 20 years traveled all over the world to learn techniques uh many years ago and now i'm the one that's been doing the teaching for years nice. so love what i do love to educate and just help in the health and wellness space well it really comes
0: across in your messaging i mean the passion is undeniable when you and i had really uh, originally had the meet and greet i i absolutely just fell in love with you you are an incredible being and it's so exciting to know that there are individuals out there who are not only in the clinical world, but also in that research world and help bridging the gap between the two to help that bring better information to the public so that we can become better, more informed, you know, how do I say this? We can be- Consumers of health information. Exactly, yes. We can be (laughs) better informed with the decisions that we need to make that are so vital to our health and well-being. well-being. So I absolutely love it. Um, when you and I had spoke, you blew my mind away because you shared your work in um, oncology in, around cancer. And so this was something that selfishly I have a very much interest in right now with all the you know circumstances that have been working against me and my health. And so um, if you're open to it, I'd really love to have a conversation today talking about all the things you've been up to and all of these amazing things that the public has no
1: idea of. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to to talk about it as well. I do want to say one thing to you, Heather. Yes. So. You just said the circumstances working against your health. I'm going to say the circumstances are signs that your body is sending you that something isn't right. Mm. So that's not working against you, it's working for you. Mm. You're being shown, you're being led into areas where your body is saying, you need to find out what is going on mm. here. So let's, I know that's what your podcast yes, is about. And, and I'm so let's, let's think yourself healthy, but I also want you to speak yourself healthy and not use. You know, we, it's hard yeah. for us not to use terminologies like it's working against. Right. us. Right. Um, those signs are working for us. It's the first. And, the, and these are,
0: again, all the reasons I love you and the ability to call me out and help me recognize <laughs> my own conditioning because, we all need you it. know, it's, it's so unconsciously there
1: that I yeah. forget the message I just sent to myself. <laughs> Yeah, That's right. That's right. right. You know, the body is so amazing. Uh, When we take out what shouldn't be there and put in what should, it can heal most, if not all things. Mm -hmm. So just remembering the power of you and and just thanking your body for these symptoms. Well, um, I
0: truly appreciate the redirect. So thank you.
1: (laughs)
2: Sure.
0: I truly do. So, um, yeah. So, what have you been up to? What is, what is all this stuff around cancer and oncology that,
1: you know, you have insight to that most people don't? Right. I I will tell you, people ask me, what do I specialize in? And I say health. I don't care if it's cardiovascular disease, if it's weight management, if it's hormones, it doesn't matter. Cancer. It's about individual. Look at the individual, see what those symptoms and signs are, find the root of the problem and fix it. But oncology is specifically interesting because for years I thought, no, 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 I don't want to go there. That's not going to be my specialty. Mm -hmm. I was in pain management hormones, sports medicine, all this. I'm like, no, 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 don't want to do it. Then, as you know, one in two people will have cancer in their life. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon it was right there. And I had to learn more about mm-hmm. it. And I read a book. Um, it's been, oh, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago now. It's a good book to recommend, Tripping Over the Truth by Travis Christopherson. Okay, I'm not and the book, yeah, it's a great book. It's a good read too. It's fun to read, but um, it, it, Let me, and many of us, read that, clinicians, doctors, and said, whoa, wait a minute. We were under the impression, and most oncologists and most research is still geared toward, let's study DNA, let's uh, study genetics, Mm -hmm. that cancer is a genetic disease. Well, we're challenging that now. There's very few cancers, a small percentage, that are actually genetic. Some might be hereditary. But just because you have a DNA blueprint doesn't mean you're going to express that. We can turn down the bad genes and turn up the good ones. It's called epigenetics. The majority of cancers, if not all, really, even before the DNA damage happens, is a metabolic disorder. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? So that book opened the eyes into Tom Seafried's work, Dr. Tom Seefried at the University of Boston at Boston College and uh, Dominic D'Agostino's work, who's being who is funded by the Department of Defense and funded by uh, NASA and other agencies, NIH. And it was like, wow, OK. You remember, Heather, in school when you were studying the cell and inside the cell, there was an organelle, an organ called the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. The mitochondria is what produces the ATP. That's energy, black and white. That's what happens. Well, when there's damage to that mitochondria, that respiration or that, that ATP and how it's being produced, that's the damage that we see linked to cancer. So, we're reframing the mindset and the research that's coming out that cancer is a metabolic disease, not a genetic mm-hmm. one. Well, so that is first is very big. So now that's why when the papers are out on press pulse, that means you know, cancer's smart, mm-hmm. it knows how to get around chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to do it for so long. Either the chemotherapy is too toxic and you have to stop it, or the cancer is just not responding. It's pretty sneaky. Mm-hmm. So, different techniques and different medications that we have it learns its way around it so the thought process with metabolic is that we press and pulse so some therapies we stay on we don't let go we're pushing against that cancer others we're pulsing so we're bringing it in and out Mm -hmm. so the cancer goes whoa whoa wait i didn't get to learn that before you hit me with it again Mm -hmm. so the 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 basics of metabolic therapy includes a calorie, it's a restricted ketogenic diet. So that means we're using fasting and calorie restriction along with ketogenic diet. We're using other procedures like hyperbaric oxygen. We're using um, repurposed drugs like fenbendazole. There are many things that we're doing, but we're targeting that tumor metabolism because when we do those types of therapies, guess what's happened? Guess what happens? It blocks the glucose and the glutamine, which are cancer's only fuel. It they don't cancer doesn't feed on protein and fats, and it feeds on sugar. Mm-hmm. So even if you starved yourself down and didn't have any any sugars or any carbs, if you're stressing, you're still dumping glycogen and sugar into the system. Mm-hmm. So the therapies that we use target that to try to block. That all those sugars and that glutamine, and when that happens, it literally uh, stops the fuel for the cancer cells, and it puts a press on those cancer cells to not replicate. Mm-hmm. The other thing it does is make the healthy cells healthier. So now we have therapies that are making you healthy because cancer is not you; it's its own ball game. It's having its own party. Those cells aren't you, mm-hmm. so it puts a press on that and makes us more healthy. And it's oxidative therapies. There's a lot of science behind it, but when we're protecting the normal cells and we're stressing the tumor cells, those are good therapies. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: that's some great
0: information. I know when we had originally talked to you, one of the things that you had brought to my attention was that cancer cells can't use oxygen like all of the other cells in the body. And that was, you know, really phenomenal. So- So, with the um, with the traditional approaches, it, most people don't think that they have a lot of options. That there is a very specific okay. protocol that has to be followed, but. We, You have shared with me that that is no longer the case. There are a lot of different alternative therapies out there. So how does one determine what kind of therapies are going
1: to be best for them and the kind of cancer cells that they have? right so if you know i I first look at the mindset of the patient if they come in and they say i am dead set i am doing traditional therapy that's it i just want maybe some nutrition or something to support me or can you help me with the side effects of traditional therapy, I always say, please keep an open mind. Let's look at the science. Mm -hmm. Let's look about what we know and we don't know on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the um, how well can a chemotherapy work. Most of the time, surgery is warranted because you take the bulk of the tumor. It's called the tumor burden. You take a bunch of those cells and get them out of the body. Mm -hmm. So now the body can repair and your healthy cells can be healthier. Surgery, in most cases, makes sense. Chemotherapy, when we understand the percentage of cells that might be, and I'm gonna talk about liquid biopsy in a minute, which is a new way of looking at that. But when we understand the percentage of cells that can be the cancer cells that can be destroyed by chemotherapy, it helps us make our decisions. Radiation, if it's in an area that can't be surgically worked on, I understand the, the the use of radiation, but I tell you what, most of the time we try to do anything but radiation because itself is causes cancer. Mm-hmm. It can cause even a different type of cancer down the road. Mm-hmm. So, and even the newest research coming out right now is saying, hmm, should we be reconsidering that we just automatically do surgery, chemo, and radiation? Maybe we should reconsider the radiation because the stats aren't showing us that it's increasing the longevity. Mm-hmm. So, so you know when you find a practitioner who's kind of licensed in both understands both Mm -hmm. and that's to answer your question usually you're going to find somebody over here that's doing all the alternative stuff and says don't do the you know don't do that allopathic stuff it's going to kill you right okay okay or you see you know your traditional oncologist that says there's no science on that other end don't do that that's going to kill you the poor patient's stuck in the middle right but when you have somebody Who sits in the middle that understands both and knows the statistics and knows the science on both sides, then you bring the players together. And, you know, I work with oncologists all over the world China, Russia, you know, MD Anderson here, Mayo. When I have an oncologist that's willing to look at or even consider something that has scientific basis and is scientifically sound, we've got a good team. Mm-hmm. Because if, if we decide chemo is the way to go for a certain patient because it looks good, the patient's decided on it, then I'm not going to put some alternative natural therapy on board that would be working against the chemo. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Or... We have an, an oncologist that says to me, we've done everything. We've exhausted it. We're done. And they're yours. Mm-hmm. Stage four terminal. They're yours. I wish I'd gotten them earlier, mm-hmm. right? But we still are doing some amazing things with patients that should have been gone a long time ago with the metabolic therapies. Okay. So there are practitioners out there. There's groups of us. They, we've got a group right now that we're putting in the world's first metabolic um, nonprofit hospital. And we're going to have a research center and a treatment center. We're doing it in Arizona. We haven't made the big launch announcement yet, but we have the land donated, lots of things going forward. So there's a lot of science and a lot of research behind these things that I'm talking about. So we want to build the bridge. We don't want to work against traditional oncology. We want to work with it. I love this. This is so exciting. So
0: with this concept of this new metabolic center, what are yep. some of the some of the main differences between this and going to like a
1: conventional hospital? Right. Well, conventional hospital you're going to get your surgery right? And then it'll be, you'll get a um, a surgical oncologist. They'll do that. And then you don't see them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take out the tumor. Don't see them again. Then you have a medical oncologist, which is going to look at the whole. And if they decide, okay, we're going to put you through the triad surgery, chemo, radiation, then you'll be off to a radiation oncologist who will do the radiation and you won't see them again. So you're back to the medical oncologist is kind of making the shots, calling the shots. Now, here's the difference. They, underneath standard of care, are going by pretty much a cookbook. Now, that's good and bad, right? That is okay because we've got data. If you have this type of cancer and it's been staged, that means it's fast, it's aggressive, or it's metastasized, it hasn't, they're looking at it, and then they say, okay, here's the best with the knowledge that we have. This is the best therapies that we have. We're going to try this one first, then this one, then this one. And they don't consider anything outside of that because their hands are tied. They can't. They're within the standard of care, underneath insurance, they can only do those things that have been validated under standard of care. Even if they would be thinking, wow, I, if it was me, I'd be doing some of these other things. Mm-hmm. But if you have an open oncologist and you have another doctor that's working on the other end and working with the oncologist, they work together, then then you can get the best of both worlds. You can be looking at all the hormone pathways. Um, You can be looking at uh, nutrient deficiencies that aren't getting inside the cell. We can be looking at all the roots of how do we make the body healthy Mm -hmm. and survive and try to regress, if not put back into remission, cancer. Mm -hmm. So you can have the best of both worlds, but traditional oncology They can't offer that. They can't. So is this something that anyone can have access to? Yes? Yes. Yes. So our groups, you know, a Metabolic Terrain Health Institute, um, there are many doctors that have been trained underneath this kind of modalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'd be glad to anybody that wants to reach out, I could put them in touch with. And I will tell you this. Most things are virtual now anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can you can work with somebody wherever they are. Yeah and work with the oncologist wherever they are. So no, it is open. It is available. Uh, Dr. Tom Seafried at the Boston College and Dominic D'Agostino, they have list of doctors uh, that they recommend. Of course, I'm on that list, um, but you can work with anybody virtually, okay. no matter where you are.
0: So I'm assuming that to be able to do that virtual work, there's additional licenses that you have to to get to for,
1: yeah, so within our group, you have to be a doctor, Okay, you know, and, and the, a naturopathic medical doctor is licensed in both systems of medicine. Okay. Licensed. Yeah to do the alternative medicines, clinical nutrition, um, you know, uh, Chinese medicine, if you want to go there. But the botanical medicines, we know the herbs and we know the drugs. We write prescriptions. We do minor surgery. We're primary care. Mm -hmm. So we know what's on this side here with the medications trained in it, but we're also trained in the alternatives where the metabolic therapy comes in. That wasn't even taught in naturopathic school. not starting to get there. Wow! starting. This is new, but it is leading edge, and it is scientifically sound. And if anybody gets under PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D, you want to look up research for anything. Get in there, and you'll see all the research that's going on around the world. If you type in hyperbaric oxygen and cancer, type in ketogenic diet and cancer, type in um, apitherapy, which is Mm B-venom, which I love, Um, type that in cancer, you're going to see the studies that have been done and that are being done. Wow! Clinicaltrials.gov tells you the clinical trials that are available right now. Wow. And many metabolic therapies are in in, in study. Benbendazole, the repurposed drugs that we use, um, there's a lot going on here. And the good news is you don't feel bad. You feel great. So this <laughs> For the most part. This you know? this is where you
0: you know you blew me away when I was having my original conversation with you because you made me have a lot of optimism to my potential you know situation. And if I get yep. an answer that isn't is less desirable, it gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> going okay, yeah. I don't have to necessarily feel like crap and be so sick. There there are some alternative choices out there. So how does one determine with all of these multitude of alternative choices that most of the public has no idea even exists, first and foremost, right? because you blew blew me away. I was like, holy crap, I had (laughs) no idea. So with all of these different options, how does one go about determining what the best option is going to be for the kind of cancers that they have?
1: This is where you have to build your team. You have to have a traditional oncologist that you feel is listening to you Mm -hmm. and respects what you want. And you have to build your team. So you need that oncologist. But then you need to find a doctor that is... that understands the science and knows these other therapies because you may not want to do all of them. You know, there's different ones that will fit each individual. And that is an area of specialty and expertise where you have to find the metabolic cancer doctors Mm -hmm. that have been trained in it, understand it and know it. Okay. And then, then you've got, you've got a team working together for you. And first and foremost, you want any of your doctors You want to feel that that you're listened to, that you're heard, that your opinion, that your your wishes are respected Mm -hmm. and that you're not dumbed down, that you don't understand. Just do what I say or you're going to die. That's not a good situation to go into. You want to go in empowered and educated Mm -hmm. and then be enlightened for the things. What are all your options? And many times our patients go in and they are teaching the traditional oncologist about some of these mm-hmm. things that they don't know about yet. And then they say, well, where's the science? And then you give them a stack of papers. They're <laughs> like, wow, okay. So, you know, it's, it's creating that team and then which tests need to be done. So the testing is first. Mm-hmm. Then you have more information to know which are the appropriate therapies for you. If you're doing chemotherapy, um, it depends on the type of chemotherapy, vitamin C IVs can make it worse. It could make it not work. Or it could work with it mm-hmm. that's why you have to have someone trained to help you know which of the therapies are going to be best.
2: okay
0: that makes a lot of sense
1: so i know for myself in my current situation
0: the next step for me is to get a pet scan what is the benefit right. of a pet scan
1: So, you know, other scans can show us if there's kind of a tumor there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell us anything except the size and can kind of see it until you get a, a, you get a biopsy to know what those cells are doing. Mm -hmm. Are they aggressive? You know, doing the workup that we normally do from a pathology standpoint, what type is it? You know, what staging has it metastasis? So you can see metastasis um, on other types of imaging, but why we like PET scan, it fits right within the metabolic therapies that we're talking about. Okay. A PET scan is they put sugar into your IV. Mm-hmm. It goes throughout your body and anywhere there's a hyper metabolic activity, that means tissue organs, something that's grabbing that sugar and eating it voraciously, it lights up. Okay. So when you see the lit up spots on a PET scan, that is proof of that cancer feeds on sugar. Mm -hmm. And we get to know how metabolically active it is. Sometimes you might have a lump in your breast and then everybody just only images there. Mm -hmm. And I encourage my patients from the beginning, get a PET scan because would you have made different uh, decisions if you knew that it wasn't just in the breast, but it had gone to the liver or the brain or somewhere else? We make different decisions. And too many times, too many times patients have not had a PET scan, not had that information, did all of this therapy, all these things in the one area where the tumor was, missing the boat that they should have been doing something else because it had already metastasized. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's 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 more information. Well, I know you're going to ask me about the liquid biopsy. Oh,
0: I'm, I'm definitely going to ask you about the liquid <laughs> biopsy. But before we go there, I want to just address this one concern around the PET scan. Yep. So my understanding... Yep is that insurance doesn't really like to pay for this test. So it's very difficult to get a doctor to start with ordering the PET scan. So how can the patient help to advocate for themselves with the doctor
1: to get qualified for that PET scan? It's about respecting the oncologist, but asking questions. And here's the trick. That you say, I understand that under the insurance, it wants you to do a CT scan, an MRI, and that you have to go through these steps toward the PET scan. But you get to ask the doctor, doctor, can with the information that you have, can you assure me that I don't have metastasis or a tumor somewhere else in my body? Mm. And then they have to put in their notes that you asked about. Mm. <laughs> and they say, okay, the PET scan would show it's the best way to see: is there metastasis, and how is there? Is it metabolically active? Is it, you know, voracious? Is it have a big appetite? So you ask the question: I would like to know, and would the PET scan allow you to have more information to help me help you answer my question?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they have Ooh. to put in the notes that you asked about it, and that gives them preemptive for them to fight the insurance company if they need to, to say, you know what? I really want to Mm -hmm. do this. I want to see this in this patient. That makes a lot of sense.
0: And it also helps to validate the route that I have chosen to go so far. So being that I am fearful that there is cancer, Um, I didn't want to go and expose myself to a bunch of radiation testing to determine. So I I decided (laughs) that I was going to go the tomography route first and do the infrared scan to see what, if anything, lit up. Unfortunately, it was a very challenging procedure to go to because I was so weak and so ill that it was difficult to stand for that long of a period and I wasn't able to go through the whole procedure, but we did the upper half of my body. And that came back showing that there's something here in the eye, there's something all in the upper and the lower jaw in the left breast both breasts are extremely vascular. So then that does make me concerned. Has this spread to my liver? Is that what is contributing to all of these issues? And is this something that was initially associated with the cervical cancer that I had back in 2012?
1: So, right, you know, all good questions, right? All good questions. But I... Let's define thermography. Okay, What is it? In fact, whenever I was in school 30 years ago and I was in my radiation class and we had to do a a research paper on some form of radiation or radiology, I chose thermography because we'd heard of it. We knew about it. So I looked and there was actually more studies at that point worldwide than there was on doing the the, the radiation Uh types. But here's the thing. Thermography shows you angiogenesis So, what does that mean cancer doesn't use your blood supply it needs blood and oxygen to grow it needs that but it doesn't lock into your own vessels and use your blood supply it creates its own okay that's called angiogenesis new blood supply Mm -hmm. Okay. Thermography looks for angiogenesis, new blood supply. There may not even be a tumor there yet, Mm -hmm. but if something is gearing up and there's a lot of angiogenesis and some estrogen receptor looking type things that we can see on thermography, then we go, okay, we probably need to do some other types of imaging Mm -hmm. to see, is there a tumor there? Is there not? All of this that you've got going on in your jaw, it could be inflammation. Thermography shows inflammation. It could be you've got a infection down in your jawline, in your tooth that you don't know about. It doesn't necessarily mean cancer. So you can't look at a thermogram and go, that's cancer, that's cancer, that's right. cancer. You can't do it. Right. And it's it, it's an image of, do I need to look for it? And I'm
0: so glad that you're right? bringing that up because to that point in December, on the right side of my mouth, we discovered massive bone deterioration in a matter mm-hmm. of three months. So when the dentist went in, when the oral surgeon went in, there was a massive infection all in the right side. So now this was validation. I got to go through and now I need to have the entire left side evaluated and most likely go through the same surgery that I had. So I'm really glad that you're bringing this up so that the listeners have, you know, better understanding of of this concept and these different technologies and how they can be
1: used. Right. So with your dentist, you want to make sure you're doing a panoramic x-ray. So that shows cavitation, which means well, if you have one infection up here, you probably have it within a lot of the area right. of the entire mouth. So the cavitation. Biological dentists, you got to be careful. I think a lot of them charge way too much okay. for doing the same thing a regular dentist can do. Mm-hmm. But the good ones that use ozone and other things, they're worth their weight in gold. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for those underlying infections. Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, Dr. Amora, who uh, was the one that invented uh, invented the o-ring test it's kind of a way of testing for things he's also the first person that did um, non-anesthesia open heart surgery he was the acupuncturist on board I think it was Johns Hopkins. So he's been into energy and frequency medicine a long time, wow. studied with him, but he would always make the first thing that we did studying with him for four years before he would even look at a patient, he'd make sure, look at the oral first. That was the first thing Ugh. and treat any infections first before he'd even be looking for any other pathology, that any other thing going on. That's amazing. You know, another thing that I discovered
0: with this whole mouth situation. I started having massive bleeding of my gums, Mm. massive bleeding. And then that's when I discovered that we have estrogen receptors in our gums. So the more estrogen the body is producing, the more likely we are to have that excessive bleeding. I was like, this is insane. I had no idea my Uh, mouth had estrogen receptors.
1: Yes, well, they're everywhere. Think about it. You know, uh, the hormones—they're good guys when they're when they're good. When they're good, us. yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole thing about menopause and, and hormones and all that. In fact, I I just did another a podcast this morning, all on okay. that, about cancer and menopause. <laughs> so, anyway, that that's it's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we used. Let's let's stay on this. on The hormone thing, it might be another podcast mm-hmm. with you, but um, whether that's good or bad, but we, we need hormones for our brain, our heart, and our bones, but we need it to go down the right pathway. Mm-hmm. And there are tests to be able to look for that, especially when we're looking at cancer. Mm-hmm. If it goes down what's called 4-hydroxy-E1 pathway, we know that causes DNA damage. That's That's cancer. That's aging. Mm-hmm. So we can see those pathways now and know how to block them. Wow where they need to be blocked in the pathway so we've gotten and that's not going to happen in traditional medicine
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right but So yeah, thermography they all have their place. Mm -hmm. And if you're working with someone who is a doctor that is trained, that really understands both sides, they're always looking at what is best. It's not either, or it's Mm -hmm. not, let's fight against this person. No, let's bring a team together. Look at you as an individual and decide, here's what we're looking at. Now, what do we look, what do we know? And what do we not know? Mm -hmm. Now we make the decisions and it should always be with you as a patient. At right at the helm of it mm-hmm. what is good and sounds right for you because medicine doesn't have all the answers right And sometimes you have to use that intuition you have to say you get a gut feeling this way feels right for me mm-hmm. because I tell patients you might choose something different than I would have after knowing all the information you know the percentages, statistics, you know what we know what we don't know and then you've got to sit with yourself because the one that you choose and you believe in, that's the one that's going to work the best because you're in a parasympathetic state where the body goes, okay, Mm -hmm. I got this. I'm choosing. I feel confident in what I have chosen. Your body's own immune system gets involved because if you're doing something just because the oncologist said or somebody else pushed you into, don't do the traditional, only do the natural. And you've got that "Mm," little hesitation there. That's going to work against Mm -hmm. you. Always, always educate yourself as much as you can on both sides of the fence and then you've got to use your intuition to say which one do you believe in so you can activate your own
0: healing response you're amazing literally just so amazing you you truly provide a lot of hope and inspiration for individuals out there it's very clear that you're in this business to help others that the the passion is definitely conveyed immensely so When you and I had originally talked, and I was asking you a lot of questions, and you were so gracious (laughs) with answering all of the questions, you started to tell me about this liquid biopsy. So one gets the PET scan, they determine here's the different areas that are lighting up that are showing some sort of metabolic pathway, and so
1: here's what's next. Right. So we don't always wait on a PET scan to do it. In your case, that made more sense. Okay just because of your history right. and what we know, right. right? But many times. Um, so I had a patient that she was postmenopausal. Mm-hmm. She had some breakthrough bleeding. And so, of course, we did imaging and we found what the radiologist thought was just a, a, a uterine fibroid. And I said, but fibroids don't bleed. Mm-hmm. And she had other symptoms. She had nighttime sweat. She had many other things, not sleeping at night, things that are red flags for mm-hmm. us. And so I wasn't convinced, wasn't convinced, but the whole was, let's wait and see. Nobody would do a a physical biopsy. That means going in with the needle, taking out a plug, Mm -hmm. going into the digital pathologist, seeing what it was. Nobody would do it um, under insurance base. And so finally, a couple of months ago, the FDA approved what's called a liquid biopsy. Now that's been in Europe for five or six years. And many of us have been using some of those tests. One was called the Greek test. In Europe, hard to work with it. Oncologists wouldn't look at it, but we were getting information. Now, FDA in the U.S. finally said, okay, it's sensitive, it's selective, it's highly, highly accurate for many types of cancer. And what that is, is a blood draw, just taking your blood, and it's looking for... Are there circulating cancer cells? Is it breast cancer, cervical, ovarian, gastrointestinal? Is it liver cancer? There's all these different cancer cells. And if they're really, really high Mm -hmm. circulating, we know, uh uh-oh, now we need to start looking and and see if they're, we know that those cancer cells are there. Have they formed a tumor or not Mm -hmm. yet? So in this patient... She had a small little, what everybody thought it was, a uterine fibroid. We did the liquid biopsy. She came up with high levels of uterine cancer cells. Wow. So now I got to go back to the oncologist and they said, well, it's not standard of care. We really can't. So we're having to wait to watch that grow a little bit, mm-hmm. knowing that that we really consider it's probably uterine cancer. So I are, I'm already treating her on mm. the metabolic side. Mm-hmm. So we're suppressing it metabolically. Okay. And maybe that'll just do it. Uh-huh. Maybe that'll do it. But if that grows, then, then we have to wait till we get someone to agree with us go in with the... Physical biopsies, so they now they go, okay, you have uterine cancer, we need to do surgery and do, you know, what we do. So it's a catch 22, but the more information you have, the better. And the other thing that I love about the liquid biopsy, not just do you have certain types of cancer cells floating around, but if we know we have a cancer, then it tells us. Your how well you're going to respond to different chemotherapies and the natural things, Mm -hmm. resveratrol, melatonin, how well, and that means how many cells did those therapies destroy? So, here's what happens in traditional care you get a let's say breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer stage three, right? Mm -hmm. So, we go to the cookbook, we look up, and that cookbook is good, it's valuable, it's got a lot of data. There's a lot of data that's going into that over the years. So we look and say, you've got this. This is the first step. This is what we do first. Then we do this and this. And usually they throw everything at it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's looking at a database. It's not looking at you. The liquid biopsy takes your tumor cells and puts them with the chemotherapy or the natural ingredients and says how many cells got destroyed by those therapies. Mm -hmm. So now I get to say with we'll use the database information but we're also going to look at how did your cells your tumor cells respond to those therapies that's valuable information because if you've got a chemotherapy that you're only going to get a 23 percent reduction in cancer cells and it's going to make you very very ill and sick and we've got something natural that can work better than that maybe we do both maybe we do one or the other now you're making good decisions Mm -hmm. so i'm curious with
0: these limitations that we just discussed with these specific cases, are these things that would still be encountered with this new um, paradigm, this new system that's going to be built in
1: Arizona? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're not, we can't fix the system It's okay. too broken. Okay. Don't even try. not even trying. <laughs> It's a new system. That's why we are, you know, having the grant money, is looking for all that because we'll make the hospital nonprofit. Okay. Okay. So nonprofit. The other types of therapies will have to have some profit center to Mm -hmm. have the whole thing to float the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, it incorporates everything from micronutrient testing to hormonal testing, the kind that we're looking down, we're doing all the metabolic therapies. We'll have many hyperbaric chambers. We'll have, you know, um, surgical suites there. We'll have the combination Mm -hmm. of both there, but doctors that are trained to look at both sides Mm -hmm. and really educate the patient Mm -hmm. so you can make the best decisions and understand the limitations and what we don't know about certain things and what we do know Mm -hmm. this to me this
0: personally gets me very excited for what is to come in this paradigm shift that is so necessary Mm -hmm. to be able to actually serve humanity and you know with everything that we've encountered over these last three years with the pandemic Mm -hmm. and the spiked Mm -hmm. proteins We're Mm -hmm. seeing rates of cancer just astronomically go up over the last, what, year and a half, almost two years now. So people are going to be desperate to find solutions that are going to work. And I truly believe that these conventional models aren't going to be able to serve all of the people that are in need. So... How, how how do we, you know, how can we make this model that you guys are developing and get it to expand across the U.S. and across the world? How do we do this?
1: That's right. Well, this is the model, right? Yeah. So when we have the model down and we see it, this is the flagship mm-hmm. here. We already have a site that we're looking at in Colorado and in New Mexico. The hope is that we'll have these all over where everyone can get access. Now they can fly in and do it, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's built, but we're talking a few years away Mm -hmm. till this is ready, right? right? right. But in the meantime, there are doctors that are trained and I can find a hyperbaric oxygen in your area, give you the protocol. Mm -hmm. We can give you, tell you how to do the ketogenic diet. You know, we can do these therapies
2: Mm -hmm.
1: without having to see you. The only one that we have to kind of see you and it's not Really part of the metabolic yet, even though I'm bringing it in and we're going to make it part of it, is the apitherapy, which is bee venom injections. Okay. And, um, that, that is something that I'm, I'm not using it. I'm not saying I'm treating cancer
2: mm-hmm.
1: with it. I have uh, used it for autoimmune disease um, and inflammation for many years with great effects. So I'm using it to help with sleep and stress, helping the immune system, helping that. Those are statements that I can make. Mm-hmm. I cannot make it about cancer, but right. what I can tell you is everybody looks up um, the research coming out of Australia that they just did. We know the mechanism of action. We know the name of the, uh, the peptide, which is called melanin. It is it is uh, the most potent anti-inflammatory that we found. We know how it affects the cancer cell. It pokes holes in it and allows not only the venom to get in and destroy the cancer cells and the tumors, but it allows all the other therapies that you're doing to get in there. So I'm very excited about the venoms and that's being studied, but- it's not in clinical practice mm-hmm. yet. I'm utilizing it for other mm-hmm. other ways, mm-hmm. but um, there are a few of us that, and I've taught some other doctors that are using it to support patients who have cancer. But I think in the long run, from the studies that we have, the science that we've got, it will become a therapy in its own right mm-hmm. um, for working with. And I can't make a statement yet, but I, I think mm-hmm. I would be surprised. At all we can show that yeah. soon. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we have. We're working with the gut microbiome. You know, you have to work there. Mm-hmm. That's where the immune system is. And it influences the cancer risk. Right. You know, you've got to reduce inflammation, not have foods that cause inflammation that you put it in your body and it's constant inflammation. So all those pieces need to be looked at. Simple things like, you know, vitamin D, if your vitamin D is below like 50 milligrams, if it's above 50 uh, nanograms per milliliter, it causes a 50% reduction in developing breast cancer. These are simple things, but you don't want vitamin D by itself because it can cause calcification, Mm -hmm. cause heart issues. So now you got to take it with vitamin K. Mm -hmm. But if you're with the right kind of doctor, they're looking at your environment, your radon risk, what kind of movement are you using? What kind of exercise are you doing? These things have been played out and studied. Studied. We know which ones are best for prevention and which ones you need to do if you have cancer. Mm-hmm. We know what type of exercise that you should be doing while you're in the therapies. What are the things we shouldn't be doing? And it's not about more is better. Throw a bunch of supplements at you. That can work against you. Mm-hmm. And certain like certain vitamin C and vitamin C IVs can actually protect certain cancer cells. Mm. So it's not everything that you hear that's supposedly good and you need to throw all of it at it. No, you've got to really understand what you're doing. And uh, you've got to make sure it's individualized and more is not better. Right. You've got to make sure that you're looking at the whole. Yeah.
0: So and and so I can see how the cookbook can be helpful because there's a general guideline there. But in all reality, each person has a very unique set of needs and their circumstances have to really be individually addressed in order to create the ideal outcomes for them, and this is something that is so lacking in our conventional model, and it's because there's that's just right. no time. There's no time, yeah. you know, I, for for doctors. That's right. I think the average doctor gets good. about seven minutes with the patient, five to seven minutes. Five.
1: Oncologists have a little longer, but not much. Wow. And they're worked to death. I, I, my colleagues, I feel so bad. Their hands are tied. They can only stick within that, 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 that parameter. And even when they feel like they want to do something that would be better for the patient, they can't because the patient's insurance has said, no, you have to try this first. You have to fail chemotherapy before you try immunotherapy. Well, what did you just do with the chemotherapy? You destroyed the immune system. Now you're going to try immunotherapy right. and try to ask the immune system to right. work. It's asinine, mm-hmm. but it's the way the system is very broken and the patients are they're caught there. And so are the oncologists. Right. They are doing their best, but the system is very flawed. Well, you know, whenever I had
0: that initial conversation with you, you really gave me a lot of hope for the future. (laughs) To know that this much work has already been done behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and the action steps are starting to be created to move forward and make this a reality, Mm -hmm. that got me Mm -hmm. excited like there was no tomorrow because... (laughs) We talk about the broken systems all the time, right? We know how broken they are. We know that they can't
1: fix, but nobody's creating the new ones. It. That's right. That's right. So, that's right. And yeah, and you can't fix it. It's not, It's. not. I don't believe it's fixable. Um, so that's why we're creating a different model. And we're trying to make as much nonprofit as we can and um, be able to, to do this. And The good news is there are doctors all over the world. Um, There's a doctor in Turkey that's doing some amazing therapies that he can do uh, arterial wise um, in IVs to get in in different ways. And sometimes I refer to Mm -hmm. him. It depends on the staging of a cancer and all of a patient. So there's a lot going on worldwide Mm -hmm. and patients can have access to a lot of free information mm-hmm. follow the people that are the met- metabolic look at dr dominic d'agostino dr tom seafried i'm out there naisha winters there's a lot of us out there that putting out a lot of free content that will help in many ways even if you can't do it all you can do some pieces mm-hmm. is uh but if you ask your oncologist can I do this or this? They're going to go, I don't know. I'm not trained in it. So don't do it because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to interfere with what I'm doing. Right. So that's the catch. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the catch. Yeah. And they're right. And they're right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they need to know or you need to be working with somebody that they trust. Generally, when an oncologist finds out, you know, I tell my patients, I just say, or in clients, whoever's working with me, I said, listen, tell them that I work with oncologists from Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson, City of Hope, and I name off the big ones. Then they're willing to Listen to what I have to mm-hmm. say. They respect me because I'm working within the system, not against right. The system.
0: And and that's such a good point that you're making because that's how we're gonna be. You know, that's how we integrate all of this. We can't dismiss right. what's there and the knowledge and the amazing practitioners oh, that right. you know have got, gone into this career path because they did truly want to help people. But unfortunately, there were limitations that kept them from being able to do the things. So this is exciting stuff for me. I think that My hope is that for (laughs) anyone listening to this podcast today, because when you use the word cancer, it's gloom and doom, right? People, it's gloom and doom. There's no hope. And my hope is that anyone listening to this podcast today is going to get excited and they're going to think, oh, okay. well, if I just happen to be that one in two who gets diagnosed, I have a, a much different perspective I can utilize To move forward to keep my thoughts in a more supportive place so that the cell outcomes will match the, you know, the things that we want.
1: That's exactly right, and you know, and and giving kudos to all the therapies that we're excited about, and we're seeing work. We're watching tumors shrink. Uh, uh, cancer markers are going down. Oncologists are saying, "Wow, whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. Awesome. This, this is good." These were terminal patients. They should have had six months, and we've got years and years. You know, we're we're showing it. We're proving it. It's it's real, and the science is there. So, there's a lot of ways to prevent cancer that are natural, and that's another thing for those that say, "I don't want to." know about this. I don't, maybe it's for aunt so-and-so, right? but you know, there's a lot of ways and things that we can do, but I want to, I want to just make sure that we address, because it's really about what you talk mm-hmm. about, right? Is, is think yourself healthy. Is that, um, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, does a lot of work in meditation and mm-hmm. he's all over the world. And you know, he sells out in 15 minutes with 8,000 yes. people. It's that incredible. So, yeah, so he's great. My husband, uh, Barry Goldstein, who works with a lot of the thought leaders um, in, in in this field, he creates the music, the musical bed, ba- the music that in its own right has some healing yeah. properties there. But and you, that would be somebody you'd want to interview. I would a great love interview. that. But yeah, it's musical. And he's got the science behind it. He wrote a book with all the research behind it. So it's very fun what music can do from healing standpoint. Yes. But to my point, with Dr. Joe, with Dr. Dispenza, is he has a a research group worldwide that's funding it but it's at you know how there's UCLA there's UCSD yeah. University of California's uh, San Diego mm-hmm. a very hard scientist there mm-hmm. not a in fact when they started showing him the data from the meditations the eegs and the blood work and the things that they were collecting from the meditators across the world it was like i don't want to see it i don't believe it i don't wanna, finally he got bugged so much he looked at it and he said i can't believe this guess what he's all in they have thousands of, um, people in the study, uh, Barry and I were just in San Diego a couple of weeks ago. I can't talk too much mm-hmm. about it. The paper will be published soon, but what it's going to show you change your epigenetics mm-hmm. just because you have a blueprint of DNA. You can't change that, but you can turn it on and off and the healing that can happen at a cellular level. So studying the microbiome, the genetics, The blood, stool, saliva, really looking at the body and the changes that can be immediately made, Mm -hmm. immediately by your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your meditation, how you can heal your body and help heal others is amazing. And I'm excited when that comes out. We'll have to have another one of these so I can tell you about it, explain that. But the power of the human body, the human thinking, the human psyche, the spirit, Mm -hmm. the spiritual connection That's where the real healing happens. And that when I work with patients, I say we've got to work on all levels. Mm -hmm. I'm good at the physical, emotional, and mental. I can get there. But I need them working on the spiritual level too Mm -hmm. because that's the amazing, quick, Turns in health. Yeah, and and unfortunately,
0: this is one of the biggest pieces that have also been dismissed in our conventional model. It's it's you don't you don't go there, you know. And it's it's funny because I was just reading a diagnosis yesterday. Actually, I saw quite a few diagnoses in mental health, and there was multiple. Spiritual confusion, spiritual confusion. And I'm like, no, that person's just having their awakening and they have learned the truth and they understand, (laughs) but we're going to, we're going to confuse them and call it spiritual confusion to keep them trapped. It's so sad.
1: (laughs) Because it's scary in the model. It's not taught in medical school and they haven't done the work themselves. They don't know what to do with it. So let's try to take those experiences that we can't understand and just throw them into, okay, you got a mental disorder. Yeah you know, yep. let's name it, bipolar, yep. schizophrenia, whatever it is, let's name it. Yep. Um. And, and, you know, it's another area that I, behavioral health that I've been in for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, so Mad in America is another book that everyone should read if you want to read about the system, uh, like Travis Christofferson's Tripping Over the Truth. Mm-hmm. It takes you through the history of cancer, have we've studied the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. We've been putting all the money in the cancer into the wrong thing, mm-hmm. still are. And the Mad in America book will take you through what we've done in mental health. And it is a travesty. It is horrible. So that's a whole nother area and topic that needs to be discussed more and people's eyes need to be open to it. Yeah.
0: Well, this is, I mean, honestly, this has been so exciting. It's such a a pleasure to, an honor to have the ability to hear your perspective, to have you share your knowledge and all of the findings and all of the things that we're being deprived of really knowing that are going on out there yes. that keep us stuck in this collective thought process that it's gloom and doom. There is no hope, you know? And right. so being able to share this with the audience gives hope. Things are yes. happening. Yes. The paradigm they, is shifting. Um, it's it is so too exciting.
1: Too many people. And you know, the word meditation, we, you know, it was hardly Nobody was talking about that. Nobody would have said it. Right probably even what, five years I, ago, 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, everybody's in the meditation. Yeah. They're all, it's cool now. right? But it certainly wasn't in its, you know, at the beginning. Right. So now it is shifting. You're correct, yeah.
0: No, it, it's- And you're part of the shift. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. I always say I'm, you know, ahead of my time about five years before the trend hits, I'm already talking and educating. And then they come back to me and they're like, oh, you know, all that shit you said to me about the gut microbiome <laughs> and how it was. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yep. I'm yep. like you're yep. welcome. That's right. But no, it, for me, it's just really exciting to see it catching up and to seeing more people yeah. catch on to these ideas. It is. Because the bottom line is, we're all connected, and what is happening yep. internally here is having an impact on you, and vice versa. And if we truly want to get out of this and lift up the you know yep. humanity, yep. we have yep. to start here. So thank you. I That's really right. appreciate you oh. taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a you know a collaborator to work together to bring this exciting, motivating inspiration to to others so that they can also maintain that
1: hope. I think it's just so so important. You am I'm happy to do it Heather and thank you for the work that you did. Well thank Very you. Important. I
0: appreciate that. So where can <laughs> the audience find you? How can they connect with you? Right. How can we get more of you?
1: All right. Well, it, Dr. Warden, dot ncom That's my website there. If they sign up for my Truth in Medicine newsletter, I don't spam. I do, do, do a whole bunch, uh, but they'll get some good information from me. And sometimes I have workshops and seminars. I plan on doing more of that because I can help more people mm-hmm. than one person at a time yeah. by doing that. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. I don't know. I need to do more on my social media. I've got groups pushing me. Well, so we can... I'll be out there more. I'll get out there more. But right now, YouTube has some things in my website that would be a good place. Office number four eight zero five eight eight two two three three. 480 if they just want a quick little consult for me to say, here's the guide of what I think might be able to help you, mm-hmm. who and where. I'd be glad to do that mm-hmm. for your listeners, mm-hmm. too. Well,
0: thank you so much for all of your generosity and your expertise. You truly are just a really unique being and I am very honored to have had an opportunity to connect with you. And it all started with that one little interview clip that I witnessed and I was like, that lady is on to something. She is special. So I'm glad that I followed the intuition and and reached out to you. So thank you very much. And if you're open to it, we would love to have you back on because there are so many things that we need to talk about
1: yeah. to help. Yeah. Frequency medicine, all those things which I know you oh. like and you're into. I've been teaching yes. that for 30 yeah. years. Cold lasers and frequency yep. it's it's amazing. Yeah. There's a lot that we can do oh. outside of standard of care. You so, are exciting. Right.
0: Thank you so much Dr. Warden and me we look too. forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Do me a favor and if you loved this episode, please go leave a review. Reviews help make sure that this content reaches more people so that we can continue to heal as a collective. Remember to take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram at Heather Barbieri, R-E-N, for a 15% discount on the retrain your brain program. See you next time.